All right, so if you could mimic or shadow someone in real life, who would it be? Really? Yeah. Oh, that is such a loaded question. Where, all right, I'm not going first on this one. Oh, uh, okay, okay. You've had more time than anyone else to think about it. What's your answer? <laughs> I, that I would, was hard. I, okay, if I'm going to go with like a famous person, like someone that I actually enjoy and would like to mimic and or shadow in life, it would probably Billie Eilish would be somebody that I would want to yeah. shadow and follow around. Or Sof- Sophie Bush, who plays um, uh, One Tree Hill, uh, B. Davis. She's a great activist. And I like her of a lot. Course. So if we know the famous mm-hmm. person, that would be that. If I was gonna go with like some kind of a fantasy realm character, which was way too deep, in, it would I would it would be Cass. <laughs> Why? I don't know. You know, I thought, I you, said, like... I thought, I thought you said Damn. shadow. You just want to fall around and start st- and look at the ass. I would. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, if we're talking celebrities, um, Pedro Pascal. Mm. <laughs> Similar reasons, I'm assuming. Yeah, we follow that around. Yeah, he's just so fun. All the time. Fictional character? <sighs> ben. <laughs> From the last episode? <laughs> the rat? The rat, Ben. You were so excited it's about me. it. I know. But I don't like rats that much. <laughs> I don't actually much care for rats, man. I don't want to shadow and or mimic them. I don't know. Yeah. What about you, Adam? That one's hard. You've had some time to think. Celebrity? I... I do not give a shit about celebrities. Like, me neither. There's very few in this world that I give a shit about. And that's yeah. why it was easy for me to pick them. Or Vin Diesel. I would throw that one. I've mentioned Vin Diesel many times on this podcast. Fucking why? I, I noticed that, but why? I don't know. I'm just all about that, man. I think he looks a little like Shrek. I don't... Weirdly, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Shrek oh. is a good vibe, all right? Hey, yeah. He's a landowner. Yeah, he's he's committed to his relationship. He he's hates the public. Fucking dad yeah. bod. Yeah, right? we, do. we love a dad bod. <laughs> we do. Yes, fictional Loki. Okay. okay. That would be fun to follow around. Yeah. yeah. I would, like, at this point, the people that I'd want to follow around are like, they're dead. So... <laughs> Like, well, we're, well, we're talking a lot about dead and fiends and, like, unevil things, like, evil things, so that kind of makes sense. I, yeah, if I could, I would follow around Alexander the Great and see if he lives up to his name. Because mm. he did a lot. And yeah. everyone has tried to live up to him for thousands of years afterwards. So I'm like, but was he? Or yeah. was he just, like, a a good delegator? Are right? you worth the hype? Yeah, yeah. so I would I would follow around and learn because there's some, there's some stuff there, right? But, um... That's such an Adam answer. Yeah, it is. This, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not It's not exciting. I just want to see if he's worth the hype. Yeah. And then fictional? I don't, like, Batman. Like mm-hmm. Batman. Batman. Which Batman? Uh, of, of the animated series. Okay. The only true Batman. So not Batman Beyond. Okay. You now. don't want teenager Batman? I would not follow around Teenager Batman at this point in my life. No. But technically, regular Batman is in Batman Beyond. He's teaching. Te- technically, he is. Yeah, but technically, Teenager Batman is following Batman. So you want to shadow the shadow? No, I don't want it. I would. I would rather be the. <laughs> You're like making you ruining this for me. <laughs> fucking, fucking fine, Han Solo. There you go. <laughs> I'd follow Indiana Jones. Like got proof of God powers, and then never did anything with it. I'd like to follow that guy and find out. He's got to have a weird philosophy on life. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. 
Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on monsters in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. I'm Casey, and with me today are Megan and Adam, and this episode is called Big B's Giant Updates, Pliant Giants When Fiends Intervened. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the panel of Dungeon Masters is going to be... I was going to say Dragon Masters, just for fun. (laughs) (laughs) In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to look at five giants that have been corrupted by the forces of the lower planes. Before we go any further, I have a question. Considering how little that we play at our table with devils and demons in our campaign... Do fiends interest you? Like, would you like to break it uh, from the undead and dig into demons and devils more? Okay, to be fair, I read a lot of demon smut. So uh, we're starting this episode <laughs> off strong in the sense where I would love to. <laughs> but in a different campaign. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Not can... in your campaign, Adam. I would make my own campaign for this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an after dark. It's a... Oh, yeah. This yeah. would be an after, after dark game. Demons, devils, like... Whole nine yards, right? Yeah, I don't know what... They seem somewhat basic to me, just because I don't know enough about all of the different varieties. Yeah, bore so, me, she says. Yeah. Oh, there's so much fucking Yes, and stuff I there. believe there is. I just, like, don't have insight on it, so it's kind of like, eh. <laughs> so, when we sat down to look at the very beginning, at, at, I'm like, okay, what are we going to focus on? Clearly, dragons. The other monster type that I wanted to... We had originally a rotation of seven episodes before we would loop back and talk about lore again and then world building. And then yeah. Fiends was supposed to be the eighth one because they're so fucking much and they're so cool and they're so different. Yeah. Right. The the devils versus demons and then the Yugoloths and then you have night hags and hellhounds and like there's so much... Incubi and succubi, which are cool because it's the same creature that'll swap genders depending on who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so neat, and there's a lot of cool shit. And I just I would love to dig into fiends. Yes, yeah. I specifically did not do that for our campaign because it would get real dark real fast. Yeah, if we're I, already if I, pretty dark in your campaign. Yeah, if I'm yeah. gonna if I'm gonna play evil evil, right? This has been like entropy evil. This has been. The world is dying and we are letting it instead of, hey, let's enslave everybody and remove their thumbs so they can't be effective. Like, it's evil, evil. And I didn't want to go down that road with fragile Daniel and Megan was new to the group. (laughs) And I'm like, we're not going to scare her away with fiends. This is not going to be the... And here we are today. And here we are today. (laughs) Fiendish as fuck. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Okay, before we give in to horrible corruption, let's jump into an info break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on monsters in 5th edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. If you would like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you would like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. Before we go any further, I just want to thank Matt for the generous contribution that we received through the website. It's support like this that lets us know that we're not just wasting our time screaming into the void. So thank you. This week on the It's a Mimic podcast, the campaign builder sits down to discuss how dungeon masters can encourage a certain amount of chaos 
when our players just need to get it out of their systems. But for now, let's get back to the episode. Well, we have a long list today. We do. I'm very excited. And I think, um, who's kicking it off today? I believe I will be kicking it off because we're not rolling today. No. Which is a, which is a new concept, We have been given fine. an order. But yeah, do it in order. <laughs> it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a giant episode. We go up the ordning. That's what, you know what? Fuck. You're trying to put rules on us and we don't like it. <laughs> don't I goddamn know it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I am up first. I'm going to talk about the Echo of the Demogorgon first. So there is a little bit of lore to speak to when talking about these echoes. Uh, so to be clear, for those who are unawares, I don't know why you would be, but the Demogorgon is the Prince of Demons himself, and many folks worship him for one reason or another. In fact, it is thought that of, that even Ettons are transformed from orcs by the Demogorgon's hand. So causes these transformations in some of these large creatures, in some of these large creatures, and so on and so forth. So basically, an echo of the Demogorgon is just a creature that is blessed by the hands of the Demogorgon and are then created lightly in his image. I don't like that blessed by the hands of, because he doesn't have hands. He has it, tentacles. Well, we're going to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so the imagery in the text is very much a giant Etten-looking ogre-like creature with arms that are tentacles, to represent that of the patron himself, along with two very monstrous, gross-looking heads. I think it is based on an Etten, right? Like it, it kind of is. Like yeah. when you look at it, it's got like it's got the dad bod, it's got like, you know the large stumpy legs. Uh, so it is very it is very Etten esque. Is there a loincloth involved? I believe there was a loincloth. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Cool. We, we love a good loincloth on these things. I do have. <laughs> I think. Hold on. I had my book, but I lost it. Where, Where did your book, book go? I would like a visual. All right. Let me. If my description wasn't good enough for you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Alright, so the echo of the Demogorgon is this guy. So there is a lovely loincloth involved. Oh boy. Yeah, so hands or tentacles that like reach the ground, stumpy legs, dad bod, two heads, sharp teeth. Great. You know? Excellent yeah. stuff. And then right beside it, like in the book, is another Etten. So you can kind of see the similarities between the two bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very Etten-like transformed into another large creature kind of thing. But this one has an any belly button and the other one has an Audi. <laughs> is that the difference Aww. for you? Kinda. I mean, it's tentacles as far as I can see, so... Yeah, so many tentacles. Tentacle Ettons. We don't kink shame here. Yeah, we don't. So this is actually thought to be one of the biggest blessings and rewards given by uh, any follower of the Prince of Demons that is of this likeness. Uh, this blessing and transformation leaves the creature confused and angry with a rage that even its heads will snap at each other. In fact, the howls it makes cause psychic damage and can cause other creatures to join in the confusion and start attacking anything else that they see. This attack is actually called the disord, dis, discordant screams. Is that right? Did I type that out right? Yep, discordant screams. <laughs> wow. Sad to make sure. Like that word sounds weird. It might be the alcohol. Um, <laughs> more fireball? <laughs> no, thank you. So yeah, the attack is actually called discordant screams. Anyone within sixty feet must make a DC thirteen wisdom save, or either be confused and attack any creature of the. Uh, Demogorgon's choice or be tormented with psychic damage themselves. So you can choose one or two of the other effects if they fail their wisdom save. Cool. Yeah. Otherwise, their basic attacks is multi-attack with their tentacle hands. Not very exciting. Uh, but I don't know. It's not? Come on, Megan. Isn't that your whole jam? <laughs> okay. You're putting me in a box. <laughs> and, and it's not the wrong box, but I need you to stop putting me out there in the internet like that. <laughs> 
So all the previously mentioned, along with having magical resistance and a speed of 40, this large chaotic evil fiend is considered a CR of 6. Kind of just above the average of a troll which we talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, they have what's called wakeful, which this is what it actually means is between the two heads, it's actually written that if one is asleep, the other one is awake. Gotcha. And it's yeah. represented within a, having a passive perception of 17. Okay. So you can't sneak up on this thing. It doesn't sleep, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is the Echo of Demogorgon. I like it. It's fun. It's so, cute. Uh, what's the CR on it again? Uh, Six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is going to be scary at low levels. If I'm... Rolling out demons in my campaign. I'm going to do it at level 5, so it should be a CR6 because it should be scary as fuck. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's scary enough. It's got psychic abilities. It's got questionable psychic abilities because if it does the same attack twice, it might have a different effect. So that would scare your group, thinking that it might have more abilities than what presents the eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. But its physical damage is not that strong. So, like, it's, um, yeah, it's got its melee attack, but it's 2d6 plus 6 damage okay. to hit you with its tentacle mitts. So that's not the scary part of this thing. No. It's going to be the psychic damage and the screaming and the, the fearing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got enough hit points to last a little while. Especially at that level where everybody's doing 1d10 or 1d8 yeah. damage. So, yeah. yeah. Average and of 85. What's yeah. the reach on the attack? Uh, Sorry if I, you said it. 10 foot. Okay, just 10. Yeah. I would give it more than that. Those reach the ground. Come on. I think it should be able to reach into our hearts. <laughs> reach into our hearts. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, also apparently does its mitts also do 2d8 necrotic damage as well. Yay, so more more damage. More death actually, damage. Actually legit scary now. Yeah. yeah. And it can hit you with that twice. Alright, should we roll for more convo? Let's do it. I'm yellow this time. I'm red. Black dice. I have 15. I have 9. Oh, and 6. All right, Megan, role-playing, inspiration. <laughs> so these things have an intelligence of zero and a wisdom of plus one, and it only speaks abyssal, giant, and orc. So communicating with one of these things is going to be pretty fucking hard if you weren't <laughs> expecting that you're going to have to learn how to speak abyssal or giant. So it's not going to want to talk to you, and it doesn't have telepathical capabilities as some of the other, like, demons and fiends that you find within the game. So this thing is literally just going to be screaming at you constantly, causing you psychic damage. I mean, feel like a rumor that you would hear about this monster to kind of know that it's around would be you hear its howls at night, yeah. right, in the distance. So um, it'd be like, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just wolves. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. You're not really expecting to find a, a full-ass demon hanging out somewhere, right? They're just expecting it's an animal or, again, like a wolf or some kind of mountain goat that screams, you know? Because now in my head, all I can hear is the screaming mountain goat. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That piercing, like, tone uh -huh. that just, like, rips through your brain. Uh, would definitely be something that I would play into if I was a DM, is how annoying that shriek is. Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't get sleep at night because this thing is howling throughout the evening kind of thing. I almost want to, like, record it ahead of time and put it on a loop. Oh, my God. And just <laughs> play through it, like, play through a whole, like, random encounter in the middle of the night with this thing howling in the background. <laughs> and as soon as the initiative is done and the creature is dead, a goat walks through the background. <laughs> It's just a regular size little nothing goat. Yeah, yeah. a nobody goat. Adam, what do you think? Um, for role-playing for these guys, one of the things I want to lean into is the fact that they're dumb as fuck, right? And so... They, a dumb giant. A dumb giant, but also one that knows for a fact that demons exist. Yeah. And is a little bit crazy. 
So I wanted to be superstitious. I wanted to be able to see omens in everything and be wrong. When you're... <laughs> If your players figure out that if they get a paper mache head and put it on their shoulder, they might be able to control this thing, mm-hmm. right? I I acknowledge the fact that abyssal and giant are not and was orc, orc are not necessarily the go to languages, but yeah, I figure you have a twenty percent chance or so of someone being able to communicate with it. At my table, everybody chooses giant. Right. And Charlie, I've got a 50-50 on Infernal or Abyssal, depending on his mood. Fair enough. When he does character creation. Yeah. yeah. And he will have comprehend languages, like, immediately yeah. as well. And so will Dan. And Dan is going to be able to... Uh, Dan will speak Orc, because, of course, he will. Like, my table, they will be able to communicate, right? So, Someone will be able to. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a pretty decent decent chance. But, I mean, if you're running a two-person or three-person table, maybe not. So Yeah. yeah. So the superstition... Having this thing, I would be very, very animated because it's not really smart enough to hide its intentions. And then you can play the rage and then the fear and then the infighting. And you don't need to know what they're saying to see them babbling and fighting and arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. The two different personalities of the yeah. heads, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and you could play into that and try and encourage them just to fight amongst themselves while you move through or you could not engage and take that as like a surprise attack Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i like that role playing um and i like that you what you said megan about just like this is where you use sound for the intimidation yeah piece yeah yeah i I like both um what about exploration so I feel like even though they're dumb as sticks, they're very proud of the fact that they have been chosen by the Demogorgon. Mm. Like, it's a weird, like, I'm full of myself. Gafam <laughs> kind of thing, right? So I feel like their layers would be, like, their trophy house to like and, like, of offerings to their god. So anything that they kill, half of it goes to the Demogorgon. And so there's going to be one room within their lair that is just a dedicated dumping spot for their offerings to their god. And there's su- some of them are, like, super shitty. Like, it's, yeah. like, the end of a broken club. It'd be a fucking <laughs> rat orc in there, you know? Like. But but, but it, it would be split exactly down the middle. Yeah. Through one dimension or another. Half. Yeah. 100%. It's like going through a divorce. You get half of this going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... I, I I'm still caught on the goat here. You know that that no no but but goats in real life can be born with two heads and still live and function for a short period of time. Yeah. In a fantasy world, this guy's collecting two-headed creatures. Ooh. Right. On the hunt for specifically two-headed creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you imagine your peasant farmer has a goat that gives birth to a two-headed calf, and that is a sign of evil, right? That is. The superstition comes in, and maybe they even attribute it to Demogorgon. And then this fucking thing shows up, murders the farmer and his eldest son, <laughs> and then tenderly picks up this little calf and walks away. Right? <laughs> my, my precious. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, Lord. So, I'm going to be honest here. You will hear this thing before you see it. That is mm-hmm. my environmental thing. Is Silence is not the answer here, right? There's going to be just a cacophony of noise from these two heads. Yeah. Because they are not going to be able to reason with each other 
the one who's right is the one who's loudest. Yeah. Yeah. So. And they just keep getting louder and louder against each other. Until they're screaming. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I wonder if there's, like, if you can try and deceive it somehow to leave you alone. Like, say, you you come across a, a city or something that it's like, please save us from this creature that attacks in the evening and has horrible screams. And you go and you assess the situation and you realize that if you just put up a, like, fake statue of something that is much, like, something that will scare it away, like, much bigger that it knows it can't defeat, just, like, erect that in the town square. And then the ogre just shows up and is like, oh, fuck. They got reinforcements. Let's go. And they, and they just, like, it just never enters the town again. Because it's like, huh, just need to intimidate yeah. it. Oh, that thing is bigger than me. I, yeah. gotta, I gotta go. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, like, based, like, it still has the sense of, like, um, self-preservation. Yeah. So it's, like, bottom oh, to totem pole of the ordning. Yeah. 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 But it's just, like, oh, no, let's not take that on. <laughs> you, you are going to, like, minor illusion will work on this fucking thing. Right? Yeah. Yes. 100%. Totally. Unless you roll like shit. <laughs> and then it's just like, how dare you try and trick me? I will eat you. Then you just fight it. Yeah. <laughs> easy get, peasy, love and squeezy. And get grappled by tentacles. Yeah. It's fine. All right, moving into combat. What do you think, Megan? Uh, So it depends. I feel like if we're going to fight this thing one-on-one, it's definitely going to use the psychic torment to whittle you down with its screams and then smack you as many times as it can with its tentacles. If you go into this with a group of people... I feel like it would definitely use the confused reaction, which is basically its ability to scream, confuse you, so you fight the thing beside you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to make you turn on each other, and it's going to find it fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, they're just going to be laughing the whole time that it's happening. Like, every time you hit your friend, it's going to be like... <laughs> like <laughs> so, that's what I think, anyways. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of, like, charge. Like, it's going to just come charging in, cause chaos to... Like, there is no strategy in the combat scenario. And he doesn't really have a thought to run away until he's losing. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't even be on his plan to be like, oh, I'd have no... There'd be no self-preservation until it realizes at one point, oh, crap, never mind. Like, (laughs) it'll be be right at the last second to be like, oh. The poor poor guy is going to look over and see that the head beside him is dead and go, oh. Oh. Oh, oh, no, wake up. And he's smacking the other head and he's running away. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we were fighting these little things. How did they do this? Yeah. Yeah. How did you my brother? We'll be back. Um... My big thing for combat, and I really need to lean into this, and you are going to hate this. I hate you already. <laughs> but I'm just going to over-describe the tentacles. Please do. Just, I'm going to get into the... You're going to write it down. The warm flesh. And I, you, you assume they leave, like, a slug trail behind, because they're just always secreting a mucus of some sort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you get hit by this thing, and I, maybe that's what does a necrotic damage... <laughs> You all right, Megan? She's, she's falling apart. Hold it together. <laughs> yeah. It's... As soon as you start with warm flesh. And secretions. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be off-putting to, to feel the muscle moving beneath the skin on these things. <laughs> Go on. 
<laughs> I've lost both of you. But <laughs> <laughs> moving on. But that is how I'm going to gross up my table with this guy. That's how I'm going to lean into the demon side of this. And the insanity and whatnot is making my players cringe and squirm. Mm-hmm. So the one sentence I took out of that was feeling the muscle move beneath the skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's noted. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to save that one for later. For later. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine when and if you're able to kill this thing, um, it's it's like this scenario in with the cave troll in Lord of the Rings where it like sways on its feet and absolutely deck saves for anything that's within like yeah. 15 feet because when it lands it like splays out its tentacles and they like land on the ground like like in a wave and you create like a, an effect in whichever direction you choose a splatter of secretions yeah and you can be you can be <laughs> caught underneath that warm flesh if you're not careful <laughs> I hate it so much I am going to move right the fuck along. <laughs> I have nothing that is appropriate for this conversation. Moving on from tentacles. All right. So let's move on to the maw, Adam. All right. So we've gone from like Ogre Ed and we're working our way up the ordering a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So hill giants. Hill giants are known for being hungry to the point where it's kind of their whole fucking deal. Even their special stat block is the mouth of Grolantar, which is the hunger personified. But you know who else is hunger personified? Knolls. Specifically, their demon lord, Yinogu. Yinogu is just a big, huge-sized fucking knoll, only with a big, scarier face and, and more rows of teeth. And the whole deal with him is that gnolls go out there, he has created them from the corpses of hyenas, to go out and just create as much terror as possible. He is known as the uh, the beast of butchery. That is his whole fucking deal. And what he does is, while most of the demon lords have cultists that raise them and that want specific schemes and they're going to corrupt an area or desecrate a church, nah. He wants to get to the uh, material plane as many times as possible, over and over again, to just create death, murder, and chaos as much as possible, and to feast on mortals. Because that's his whole shtick, is he eats and eats and eats. When a knoll eats, when they get a kill and they feed, they swallow, and the meat, or whatever it is they eat, don't go, doesn't go to their stomach. It magically transports to Yinogu's stomach. Oh, so geez. the knolls are always hungry. Now let's talk about how this combines with a hill giant. Every once in a while, particularly malicious hill giants, will pray to Yinogu. Or maybe they'll accidentally eat an evil artifact linked to Yinogu. Or maybe they just have such an appetite that Yinogu can't ignore them any longer and starts making promises in the giant's dreams to them. There are lots of ways because Yinogu knows hill giants and he's setting them up for fucking failure. (laughs) So, regardless of the reason, the stupid and starving hill giants are prone to corruption by Yinogu. And each one that devotes themselves completely to him becomes what's known as the Ma of Yinogu. Not Ma like M-A, like they're not his mother, but M-A-W, like a big old hole. Big old mouth hole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In return for this devotion, they are magically and irreversibly transformed, hunching forward like a knoll and growing a long mane down their backs. But the most noteworthy physical change is the growing, massive mouth 
that is bigger than the rest of its head, and the rows and rows of ever-growing and always increasing in number teeth that fill the mouth. And it's the teeth that are the main thing here, not even the size of the mouth. Did you guys ever see the movie Legion? Yeah. You know that you know what I'm talking about the ice cream truck demon that shows up and it's like just the jog, it's so weirdly long. Yeah. And it's got that real body horror to it. Gross. That's these guys. These teeth that they have are so painful that these creatures are seen often ripping out their own teeth, only for those teeth to regrow rapidly. Some of the smarter ones will actually rip out their own teeth and throw them at enemies. Amazing. Daggers. Yep. But as upsetting as this imagery might seem, it's not as terrifying as the fact that encountering a mob of Yinogu uh, that's aware of you always turns into the same encounter. The mob of Yinogu drops to all fours and charges chaotically toward you, and it opens its mouth as wide as it can, dragging its lower jaw through the loose dirt like a plow as it barrels towards you to pick you up. It's huge. It's technically a demon, and it says it's typically chaotic evil, but come on, it's chaotic evil. It's always chaotic evil. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just wants to eat. Oh, no, no. It's got high strength, con, and wisdom, average dex and charisma, but somehow getting imbued with Yinogu powers has made this creature slightly smarter than your average hill giant. So it's got enough intelligence to be able to hunt you down and to come at you. It speaks abyssal and giant, has dark vision up to 60 feet and a decent passive perception. The AC and hit points are pretty standard for CR10, but they have increased saves for con and charisma, and they have magic resistance. So that means they're potentially going to stay in the fight for an extra round or two. Mm-hmm. And the Mav Yinogu has 10 foot reach on its bite, which does 2d12 plus 6 piercing damage. And it has an attack called Fang Fling, which is a tongue twister. It took me a while to practice that earlier. <laughs> But also has a range of 30 feet, 90 feet with disadvantage, does 1d10 plus 6 damage, uh, and the multi-attack lets you choose between two bites or two fang flings. My favorite part about it is it's also got this gorging charge attack. It recharges on a 5 or 6, and it moves up to its speed without provoking opportunity attacks, and moves through the space of large or smaller creatures, and it moves through their space. If it moves through a creature square for the first time on that turn, the creature has to make a DC 18 strength save, or take 3d12 plus 6 piercing damage. And also you become grappled and restrained. If you're already grappled in its mouth from the previous turn, then you become prone if you haven't escaped yet. And that means that its bites are going to have advantage as it literally chews you up in front of your friends. There's no swallow mechanic. It just bites and bites and bites and bites and bites. The only good news is that it can only fit one creature in its mouth at a time. But I myself would change that for small creatures. Fair enough. Yikes. But just because we need to get a little nastier, the Mob Yunogu also has one more trick up its sleeve. If it takes damage, it can use its reaction to make a bite attack against a creature within range. If there isn't one within range, then it makes two of the fang fling attacks. Two. Great. Yay. Yeah. So like One final effort. Like, so ugh. don't be close to it or it will come at you. And even if you aren't close to it, it can, like, what was its speed? 40 feet. 40 feet. Yeah. Like, it's it's charging it will charge. I feel yeah. like this is like a bull, a yeah. terrifying bull. Yeah. Where it's just going to charge, attack, charge, attack. If it happens to pick up things along the way, great. And it's going to chew and chew and chew. I might add a swallow mechanic to this just because I feel like it needs that. Right? Yeah. Grapple with the mouth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but this is relentless. It will not give up. It's yeah. just going to keep coming and keep feeding. Yeah. Crazy. 
All right, well, let's roll. Let's do it. <clears throat> I'm taking black to Final bed. yellow. 18. 17. 11. That's <laughs> fine. All right, let's kick things off with role playing. Adam, what are your thoughts? This thing has got to be screaming at the top of its lungs. If its mouth is not full, if it is not charging, it has got to be screaming about hunger. Yeah, it's got a howl. Yeah. Like very much loud noise. When you first come upon it before it knows that you're there, it has either got to be eating or it's clutching at its starving stomach. Right? It's always, always, always hungry. It's never going to be satiated. Mm-hmm. Ever. I also so badly want this mini. Yeah. It would be a really cool mini. So gross. Yeah, yeah the, so the art in the book is is upsetting. Frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it hurts your brain because it's on all fours. Yeah. Like dragging its bottom, like, it's, it's jaw. It's jaw. Like, like it, it says right in it, like a plow, and it's so gross. It's yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I imagine you're going to come across this perhaps, like, in mid-feast, destroying, like, always go to, like, you know, the cattle or the horses. Mm. Yeah. But, like, you see these, like, plow scrape marks leading up into a field, and then you come up to it, and it's just, like, devouring yep. creatures. And it's that disgust, like, it's just, it's just trying to consume it. So it's that disgusting, like, bone crunching, Mm -hmm. just consuming, doesn't matter what it is, in its mouth. And then it just turns and sees you, and then it just, like, like, positions and it, and charges right at you. Like, no questioning whether you're dangerous or not or whatever. It's just, like, food. Yeah, I don't know. At CR10, you have to assume that it has always been the toughest thing in the room until now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Megan? So I was thinking more like a like a quest or an adventure that you could do with one of these. And because they're not necessarily tied to anything specific, and by by that I mean they could appear anywhere. Yeah. There's, like, there's no home for, for them. Yeah. They're just kind of like they've been given this boon of this. And then terribleness. Sent into the world. So this could randomly show up in a random encounter. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going through the woods. You're going through like a land. Hold on, i got to take notes. Yeah. But like you could. Or you could meet an NPC. See who's a demon hunter, and they they know that one of these is in the area, and they're hunting it down. Yeah, and they've been given hired. the option to help, right? <laughs> or you ignore it, but in a random encounter, come across it at some point. But again, because they're not really tied to anything, you have that freedom to use them anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, from a DM standpoint, you can do that. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I touched a little bit on the exploration, but let's dive into that a little more. Adam, you're first. When you are hunting this thing, you will know because of the unique, like, it's on two feet and then suddenly it's on four. And there's this churned dirt in lines through through the region as this thing is hunting and, and teeth. attacking. Yeah. It's just, just teeth, teeth everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. That have been flung. Like, they're embedded in the side of trees and they're, and not like it's bite marks. There's just random teeth everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. I would say that, if I can be honest... I'm probably going to use these when, I, when you guys run across gnolls. And there's an army of gnolls and we're fighting the gnolls. And Yinogu stumbles upon a hill giant or summons, because he's all about hill giants as well. He's going to summon them over and say, hey, here's the power. And I'm going to send you off as a just tank to fuck with the heroes while the gnolls are raising a city, you know, to the ground. Right? Yeah. So 
this is going to be a distraction. It's not going to work well with Knowles. It's not about that. This is just your big bad evil guy going, hey, look, I'm going to send you off to create havoc and chaos over there. And that's totally what Yinoga would do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would probably just devour Knowles as well. Like, would it even care? Uh, it, there's there's <clears throat> nothing in it about joining Yinogu's army. <clears throat> like, this is just being imbued with his shit. I... I love the fact that you can accidentally eat an artifact. So if he eats an adventurer with a Yinogu statuette that's radiating evil, like yeah. in his backpack, and he eats it. On accident. Yeah, yeah. completely unaware that this is happening. Here we go. <laughs> love it. That's pretty good. I do also like the fact, like, I, now, because I love, I love a good cult. So now I'm thinking of, like, a hill giant cult that has one of these trapped, and they just constantly feed it as offerings to this god. Yeah. But they have no idea what god it is, but they just know that it's inherently magical, right? But then all of a sudden they have this weird hill giant cult created because of this one creature that suddenly appeared within their ordinary group. You know what would be really interesting? Because you have the mouth of Grolantar, right? Mm-hmm. But it, that that creature is known for, it's just the most hill gianty hill giant of all time, but he's so hungry all the time. Yeah. If they are consistently trying to feed him, and if they, like, would he eventually just, run out of food in a region. Like, they've got to be nomadic, right? They're eating too much. And if he can't find food, does he then turn to Yinogu and, like, turn his back on the giant gods and then a mouth of Grolantor turns into this thing as well? Like, mm-hmm. we can be powering up as we go. And uh, you could easily add a bit of deceit when a party comes along to see it. Like, if it's not eating anything at the moment and you Mm. find it wandering through the woods it could be it could look like bigfoot or some sort of giant just wandering through if you see it from the back you might think it's a troll yeah or or like it's on two feet and it's lumbering away from you and then suddenly it just like catches somebody makes noise and then it turns around and goes down on all fours. That moment of it, like, it looks over its shoulder and you see one glowing red eye from the, like, demonic influence yeah. on it. And then yeah. suddenly it's charging. Yeah. And then you see its giant maw. Like, yeah, that well, could be a fun reveal. Okay, combat. This thing seems to have one angle to it. <laughs> it's got two because it can throw the teeth as well, yeah, right? Yeah, ra- a ranged and a charge attack with devastating Yeah, I, I love it. Your players have got to run. You have to be mobile and you've got to get high because this thing will climb at half movement speed, right? And it's not going to be able to drag its jaw across the ground when it does that. Mm. So I'm going for vertical to fight this thing. That's the right answer. <laughs> and stay outside of the 90 feet of those teeth, right? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I think I, I like the idea of the party also seeing it like pause and kind of look like it gets angry and reach into its mouth and rip out a tooth and then see it just hurl it and then suddenly you're, you know, defending against ranged attacks. The ripping out his own teeth. And you can talk about, like, the blood pouring out of its mouth where it ripped out a handful of teeth. Yeah. And then the person inside the mouth getting eaten can watch as those teeth grow up through the gums again out mm-hmm. of the bloody sockets. And we love good body horror. <clears throat> yeah. Love me. No, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, I, I was thinking about the teeth, too, and thinking about what would happen when it dies. I can imagine that when it keels over and finally dies, all of its teeth fall out. 
That's so cool. I absolutely Ooh. love that. <clears throat> because, like, it's they're being held in and they're growing from the power of this god, yeah. right? And so, like, when it suddenly dies and it loses that imbuement, like, it's, it, it's going to lose all of its teeth. They're just going to fall to the ground and it's just going to shatter teeth across the Gross. ground, right? And then your players are obviously going to pick them up. And now you have, like, these weird magical teeth bones. Yeah. Yeah. The rogue I, is going to make so many daggers. They're going to make a dagger out of them, right? Yeah. I imagine that its jaw bone has broken... And it is just one big strong muscle where the jaw holding it together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's elastic and it can open up into like wider shapes and stuff as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has to be so painful. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. And that's why it's like enraged charge because it's just constantly in pain all the time. Yeah. Just needs a good dentist. (sighs) No such thing. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) All right. Any final thoughts on that guy? No, gross. No. I, I I really like him. I want the mini. I think the mini's <laughs> rad. I would paint that mini if it came unpainted. Um. All right. Moving on. We're going to talk about the fire hellion. So I know why I am the one covering the fire hellion today, <laughs> because it's a new form of my love for fire giants. <laughs> Do you like fire giants? I don't know if you guys know this. How about strange. Me. What's what's up with fire giants? <laughs> Didn't know that about you. Oh, they're just stocky, beefy. It's it's the dad bod for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gets me every time. <laughs> they're also the short kings of the giants. We do love a short king. <laughs> we do. <laughs> what are you gonna do when you have a tall Amazonian girlfriend? You climb. <laughs> <laughs> Death by snoo snoo. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, fire giants. Um, (laughs) But where would we be without betrayal story? So we know fire giants are creatures of strategy in battle, and they're skilled at forging with fire. In their studies of war, fire giants have been known to travel far and wide to gain tactical knowledge. One known war is the Blood War, an endless battle between demons and devils in the lower plains. Mm. In order to return with new war tactics and knowledge that could perhaps raise the fire giants in the ordning, a fire giant can make a pact with a devil, which is obviously a mistake. Is I mean, <laughs> that was the response I was expecting. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, deal for what? <laughs> Does it have um, to be my soul, or can I offer someone that's else's? What you're like. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it does learn to forge with infernal iron and hellfire, making a powerful weapon it can wield in battle. But it also serves the devil's purpose. That weapon funnels souls from those the giant slays in battle down to the first layer of hell for the devil to have a constant supply of souls. In return in this deal... The devil promises the giant will continue their forging skills even after death with a place serving them as a smith in the nine hells. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Cool. Yeah, sure. I want that. (laughs) What the fire giant learns too late (laughs) is over time, they are slowly being corrupted and becoming a fiend itself. It grows horns and cloven hooves and a forked tail Becoming the Fire Hellion. He looks a lot like Hellboy. It does. Yeah. Yes. You know They're awesome. Still short king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I can deal with that. Um, so they are huge-sized fiend devil. 
CR of 11, and they move at a 30-foot speed, and they speak common, giant, and then gain infernal. They will not be an easy foe to kill with an average hit point pool of 175 and an AC of 18 due to some pretty fucking badass plate armor in the art. They have a whopping 25 strength, so that's a plus 7 modifier, and Khan isn't far behind with plus 6, so they're a tank. I would like to point out that even though they have this badass armor, they still have a loincloth over top of it. Battle skirt. Battle skirt. Battle skirt. They do. <laughs> the battle skirt. They totally do. I love it. The battle skirt. <laughs> um, and so with with that, their lowest score is Dex. So they are beefy, and there's nothing wrong with beefy. They, they got some girth. <laughs> they got some, some girth. Some girth about them. Yeah. I'm about that. But <laughs> yeah, we see thick girthiness here. <laughs> Um, and they, of course, have damage immunity to fire and condition immunities to being charmed or frightened and have magic resistance, meaning they have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. So let me explain the soul taker ability. This is where it gets super interesting and super scary for players. Uh, a giant or humanoid that is reduced to zero hit points by the Fire Hellion, dies, and its soul rises as a lemur on Avernus. This is the first layer of the Nine Hells. In 1d4 hours. Do you, if, know, do you know what that means? Because you don't know fiends. Um, in my research, yes, but okay. please explain. <laughs> so when, when you die and you go to the Nine Hells as opposed to going to the Abyss, the Abyss you turn into a... a um, Manus, or uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, okay. but um, on the if you go to the and, and the the, the Manus are like little shit demons. They're the little stinky, like rotting corpse. They're gross. But if you go to the Nine Hells, your soul becomes a flesh, a, just a blob of mournful, disturbed flesh with some like couple of arms or maybe a limb sticking out, so you can slurp around as as melted flesh bag and you're just pathetic as fuck everybody that that goes down there turns into this and it's up to you to play the game enough to level up to turn into the next level of devil oh god hmm. so you have to be the most evil of these little flesh monsters to to do this and they're nasty little fuckers so amazing and disgusting at the same time yeah they're usually used as fodder as well because the higher devils don't give a shit about them so, like, they will just straight up kill them without thinking about it. And if you are a devil and you die in the Nine Hells, you die, die. You don't get resurrected or you don't respawn later, right? So, right. So, they have a wretched, terrifying existence. So Wow. Um, yes. So, that that is what happens. Um, <laughs> that. And <laughs> Yes, it sounds horrible. Um, if the creature isn't revived before the 1d4 hours is up, it can be restored to life only with a wish spell or by filling the lemur and casting true resurrection on the creature's original body. And what does it mean by revived? I'm assuming just like healed or like... You're back You're back up on your feet. You got resurrected. So like I'm in my mind, I'm imagining you're fighting one of these. You go down, zero hit points. You wake up in hell for oh. a hot minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get revived... 
but but you wake up as one of these yeah, things. Yeah, like yeah. Like But about. then you get revived and you're like, holy mother of God, I am ne- I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I need to just go give all my money to orphans for I me. have <laughs> to go and touch some grass. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does anyone need a good deed? Because I can't do that again. Um, so that is obviously with this horrific but amazing weapon that it has forged, has the soul taker ability. Mm. Um, and so it also has multi-attack with this Morningstar weapon that is engulfed in flames, by the way, constantly. Of course. Um, it has a 10-foot reach and deals 3d8 plus 7 piercing damage plus 2d10 fire damage on a hit. And if the target is a creature, it cannot regain hit points until the start of the Hellion's next turn. So that is also where it gets super dangerous for putting things down and taking the soul. Yeah. It also has one last interesting ability. It can hurl an infernal orb. So this is a magical ball of fire that explodes in a 20-foot sphere on a point it can see within 120 feet. Each creature in that area must make a DC 17 deck save or take 4d8 fire plus 4d8 necrotic damage on a failed save half of uh, on a success. How often does it get to do this? Um as one of its actions. Yeah, it and just it can. has it multi attack. Fucking yep. can. There's no yeah. limit. Or sorry, yeah. The multi attack is with the Morning Star, but it can just use its action As to an hurl an infernal orb. Unlimited fireball. Yeah. Super fireball, because you're doing a chronic on top of it. Yeah, man. Yeah, Rah. like that's eight D eight total damage. Um yep. on a turn. Um, it's okay, but if you succeed, you take half damage. Yeah, no biggie. Unless you're a rogue or a monk or yeah. you just shrug and that use fuck evasion. off. I'm done it's with fine. it. Fucking monks. <laughs> Okay, I die the most in our campaign. <laughs> that is entirely your choice. That you, you do it to yourself. I do, and that's what really hurts. Um, and that's 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 it. That's all with the fire hellion. Amazing. Um, let's roll some dice to talk more about it. We're just we're just switching it up every time. Natural oh, you twenty. Got a 20 I got a seventeen. All right, I'm at twelve. All right. Coming in last. So, so much inspiration here. Let's start with the role-playing inspiration. There has got to be a point, and, and I would very much want to... This is the hour. This is like the evening where it realizes, oh shit, I'm transforming. Mm-hmm. And there has to be the opportunity there to turn to a party and say, normally I would just remove your heads from your shoulders, but can you save me? Yeah. Oh, Adam. Going for the heartstrings. Of course you are. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you've got a limited amount of time before this takes permanent effect. I would just put that in there. That it's just irreversible after 24 hours of the first cloven hoof yeah. that shows up. Right? Yeah, so, he's coming for me. Save me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like touching the forehead in the mirror going, what are these lumps? Yeah. Right? And then, and then having this moment of, oh, shit. Right, I made a fucking mistake. Yeah. yeah. I also like, so like tapping into the fact that they are very much forged, like forged weapons within the Nine Hells, right? 
So that's what they've been offered. There in is, death. yeah. There is like a second level of Dees is the one that's all about forges and and making weapons for yeah. the for the blood war. So yeah. So you would find them there probably. So that's what I'm thinking of is the fact that like when it comes to the nine hells and that these are the magical forgers of weapons within the nine hells. There's not a lot of reason why you walking the plane of Earth would come across them, so to speak. There's many reasons as to why, but this is the plot hook I'm going for. Sure. You run into one, and it's because the planes have shifted, and there's a weird connection between the two. Oh, you, so told, you find a thin spot? You find a thin area. And then that's your plot hook of, okay, well, do we fight this thing and kill it and move on? Or do we fight this thing and research and explore the fact that there is a thinned veil between us and the Nine Hells here? Ooh. And why is it here? Mm-hmm. And by the way... You want the devils to win the blood war. You do not want the demons to win. The demons are chaos personified. The abyss is infinite. There are nine levels of hell. My fanfic would say otherwise. (laughs) You want the demons to win? They're all... You have to remember that devils are the ones that are suave. They're good looking. They're intelligent. And they're manipulative. I guess. And demons are the fucking rage monsters that are literally fighting and fucking their way through as many things as they can to rip them apart, destroy as much as they can, and move on. And not in the sexy way. Oh, so you kind of, like, explained my fanfic. <laughs> no, 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 no. These, these are not Vikings. These are fucking no, ra- rabid wolverines. So, like... And there's and there's more demons than devils. It's the devil's strategy that and their weapons that make them formidable. So, like... Yeah. It's, a, it's a big deal. These celestials support the devil's side. A little bit. Just a little bit. They they will team up occasionally. I mean, our fire hellion short king is a devil. So I'm yeah. going to support our devil. Yeah, we must. Yeah. Was there a specific... I missed it. Was there a specific arch devil that gave him the power? Or is it just any devil? Any deal? Um, It just um says, packed with a powerful devil. All right. That's so all. Probably so it leaves it open. Just by looking at the... The horns and the tail and the feet, it's clearly a pit fiend. Hmm. Yeah, which is that the, would make sense. The CR20 big bad yeah. devil. It doesn't have a name. So. Yeah. Blah, and blah, blah. Besides <laughs> Dex being at, like, complete average, everything else is above average, yep. which we like. Everything is above average. <laughs> we love a good yeah. above average king. Um, <laughs> but that means, yes, it does have some intelligence and wisdom. And so I like, I, I'm, I'm working off of your comment, Adam, where maybe it is just working away at forging all these things. And it has forgotten why it's doing what it's doing. It's forgotten its original. Oh, it's been there for so long. It's been there for so long. And it knows it wasn't always here, but it cannot connect back to, you know, its army of fire giants under this mountain by this volcano or whatever. That whole kingdom is probably long gone. It could be. Yeah. (laughs) And so... Um, if you come across it in one way, shape, or form, maybe through Megan's tactic, (gasps) and you interact with it and try and talk to it versus just fight it, you might find a little bit out about that and see. And give the party an opportunity to decide what to do about that. I gotta point out, too, just to to bring this up. They're wearing some pretty gnarly-looking gauntlets. 
Yeah. Right? Pretty sharp and whatnot. So you assume it's like leather inside for their hands and whatnot. And they're working in forges and fires. Those hands are sweating. I bet they've got really soft hands. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. They probably do. Firm, but soft. And their nails are like perfectly manicured. They'd have to be. Yeah. Oh, love a good manicured hand. Moving on, what about um, exploration inspiration? So you touched a little bit on potentially that, Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the First of all, you're going to see this guy coming. His weapons ablaze all of the time. Yeah, so. like yeah. a bright beacon. Yeah, like. so, so you, you know he's there. And chances are you're going to see him in his own space, right? Like you're hunting this guy down. Um, I've just... I, I think the big thing here is, yeah, you would attack, but I really like this guy as a ally, as an NPC. He would communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's lawful evil, evil typically. Like, it fall, it's following a code. It's made a pact, but it's following its code it knows. It has, it's not like, because it, it, is it labeled as chaotic? Nope. nope. No, it's, it's lawful typically evil. lawful evil. Yeah. So it's not going to, like, attack you on a whim. It's yeah. going to be either it's you're going to be in its space and it's going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Or it's been removed from its space and it's just like, I don't want to be here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting to me is the Infernal Orb is a magical ball of fire, blah, 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 but it's not a spell that's being cast. Nope. When you look at the art, it is clearly burning from within. Yeah. I think it shoots it from its mouth. I think it's a breath weapon. I was going to say breath weapon or, like... It's a ranged attack from his, like, uh, Morningstar. Right, yeah, like a, it swings and it flies and it, out yeah, of it. Yeah, like a fireball yeah. comes out of the actual Like Morningstar. lacrosse style? Yeah, yeah, you know it. Yeah, I like the idea of it doing the breath weapon just because I think more things should breathe fire in D&D. Yeah. yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, but like, when in terms of exploration, I do feel like if you're going to be near one of these, it's going to smell like sulfur. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be your classic, it smells like fire, it smells like burning. You're going to, like, the land around it is going to be on fire. I bet he's cultivated a mean cup of coffee, though. Like, Hey-o. he's got a solid brew going. Yeah, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it's going to be that fire and brimstone, is what I see when I look at this demon. So, I, or the devil, sorry. Got to be very specific with the Yes. Indie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I imagine it having, like, like I would want to give it even, um, if you're in melee with it, like, or in it, within its aura, like, it's just, like, you Hot. are subject to heat and fire damage. Yeah. Like, even just trying to get into melee with it. Even out of its zone, I feel like if you're within 5, 10 feet of it, it's just warm. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say that you're taking damage from it, but you're definitely going to be sweating. You'll feel it. Yeah. Like, there's, I don't know, I would try and emphasize, like, you are going to be in trouble if you remain next to it in combat. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've got another one later, which actually does have an aura, so the fact that the aura is not listed makes me think that it's not going to do damage. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be someone that... On a cold night, you snuggle your feet up against them for warmth. Okay. Yeah, because I can well, imagine... Well, I can get like, into that, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's part of my fanfic as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of this um, soul taker ability as well, like, I see um, potential for a one-shot or mm. something where... 
Retrieve the soul. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Where people got where they shouldn't have got. They lost one of their comrades. This happened. They couldn't actually do anything because they ran away. Mm -hmm. And now they're hiring like stronger, capable people to go retrieve this lemur. Yeah. And so you have to then, you know, seek out where this came from, find an entryway and go and find the right blob. Or your only or your only entry is hit me with your morning star. Like hit Ooh, me. Hit me. Kill me. Yeah. So yeah. Like, and then you have four Ooh, hours. Oh shit. Yeah. You make a yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, Fuck. I, as a DM, <laughs> I would hand out stat blocks to the players to play Lemures. I call them Lemures so that they're not like Ma- the Madagascar. Lemures. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Lemure sounds nicer. Yeah, so. Because <laughs> that's what's in my brain. I'm yeah. like, I don't. Lemure. <laughs> These are not marsupials by any means. But no. Blobs. No. But uh, no, I would absolutely hand out the, the stat blocks to the players. But like, give me your character sheet. This is what you can do now. Schlorp your way through this dungeon in hell. And find your soul. And find the one you're looking for. Yeah. And get back. And yeah. so there would be other like low level devils and you'd be sneaking around and other Lemures would be like trying to interrupt you and shit. And like it would be a nasty, gnarly, weird little side quest for yeah. half a session. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. <sighs> yeah. They're my favorite. <laughs> uh any other final thoughts on Fire Hellion? Not particularly. No. No. I I like them a lot. This is one that I would probably use in a campaign. Yeah. Me I'm too. about it. Like, I, like I, They're it's one so of the ones badass. that inspired me for my campaign. They're going to be yes. used for sure. Roman, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. We got a lot for you today. We, we skipped the nice beard on him, too. I, right? It's yeah. just a handsome fella. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also nicely groomed. Yeah. Like, he just takes care of himself, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> when that battle squirt that battle squirt anyways moving on we're going to talk about the stalker of Baphomet we went straight from our short king to the stalker uh, <laughs> oh no oh lordy <clears throat> alright so this stalker is going to have a history in that kind of imbues with uh, stone giants similar to kind of like what we just talked about for a few that kind of have a different giant connection so this is the stalker of Baphomet. Uh, it is creepy looking, as it is stone giants turned into weird horned god looking things. But let's start from the beginning a bit. So, so I know we've talked a lot about how giants and demon worship go hand in hand, but I'm gonna correct us a little bit and say that it's not necessarily inherent when it comes to giants because giants have an ordining. They have no reason to necessarily deal with demon worship or worship of another god, shall we say. Um, so, but when it comes to these storm giants, sorry, these stone giants I'm about to talk about, they become enamored with Baphomet. So not necessarily worshippers of, but they just kind of fangirl a little bit. Uh, because, as one does. As one does. Because <laughs> Baphomet does create giant mazes and labyrinths and large stone structures where these stone giants will just, you know, would like to use them as hunting grounds or just, again, become fangirls of this person who's created these things. And then in turn, they are rewarded with being transformed into a beefed up version of a stone giant where they are given a crown of very specifically six horns. They are given a magical glaive and the ability to basically call pillars of rock from the ground. So they become earthbenders, basically. Oh my God. Cool. 
So the ability to move the earth is actually called erupting horns, which allows them to choose a space within 60 feet and cause three horns of rock to form in a 30 foot radius and 60 feet high. Holy shit. It's a DC of 15 decks or on a failed save. uh, Even on a failed save, it's a hefty amount of damage because it's 60, 10. But the thing to be concerned about is that you are pushed up 30 feet along with it. And then when it ends its turn, they disappear and you fall to the ground. (laughs) Yikes. So these stones, like these stone pillars appear out of the ground, rise up, push your body into the sky, and then turn to dust and your body falls to the ground afterwards. Cool. Really neat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Use that in like the sixth round of combat. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) don't be scared because on 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 a pass, you take half damage. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. That makes it all better. Right. It's fine. Uh, so uh, going back to the glaive, uh, there's nothing necessarily overly special other than that it is a magical weapon that hits pretty hard, but it is it does give its ability to cast magic. So they then become spellcasters where they have spells like meld into stone, stone shape, and wall of stone. So obviously there's a theme here. Did the stone giants not have that originally? No, I don't believe so, no. What was their dreamwalker had shit, right? The special one from... The special one sometimes had magical yeah, yeah, yeah. capabilities, okay. yes. But your base stone giant, I believe, did not have okay. spell casting capabilities. I'm going to be corrected by the internet in a hot second yeah. if I'm incorrect about that. Don't judge us. But <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now, though, because I feel like, again, I, need, I can't have the internet come at me. If I can be perfectly honest, of all of the giants, all of the giants, including, like, Ettons and Ogres and Trolls and stuff, Stone giants are the ones that I know the least. Yeah. There's just never the thing that I find. They just, I don't know what it is. No magical capabilities. No. They have a great okay. club and they can throw rocks. Is the club really that great or is it just a good club? <laughs> uh, I mean, are we, are we talking about cover costs or are we talking about... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, no, um, there is no magical capabilities in your regular stone giant. So in being gifted this glaive... Okay. They now have the ability to cast magic. All right, cool. And it is all, like, earth-based and stone movement-based magic. So in my mind, these things are running around the labyrinths created by Baphomet and creating new walls or moving the maze around itself, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I imagine them living and existing. Um, yeah, creating chaos. Absolutely. Yeah. Just creating, like, new chaos for you. So if, you, if you've seen the movie Labyrinth... They have the little tiny, like, brownie sprites, like, moving the stone so that, like, mm-hmm. you you lose your way. This is a, a giant <laughs> that is creating yeah. new walls, moving the trees around, that kind of stuff, right? So due to being... The, the other thing is to kind of keynote is the fact that, of course, they're made of rock, so they have a natural AC of 17, along with, of course, having magical resistance. They do have perfect recall of the labyrinth that they try first within, so... That's a minotaur thing? Yeah. Which... Baphomet is the demon lord of the Minotaurs, created Minotaurs and all that in the first place. So yeah. that makes perfect sense. It does. And it's yeah. especially because they're stone giants, they like the earth, they're enamored by the fact that this person has created these beautiful mazes out of the earth itself. It's a full circle thing, right? Yeah. So along with all this and their magical resistance, they are a CR of 12. Oh, and Casey, you'll love this. They throw rocks. Yay! So, back to our classic giant capabilities. I am legitimately pissed that they don't throw stones. Rocks. (laughs) For this one particular, for stone giants, it should have been throwing stones. Oh, 100%. But no, it's just rock throw. 
Which, if anybody has listened to our previous episodes, it's the most exciting part about Giants sometimes, is the fact that it throws rocks. Yeah. 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 Rock Almost toss. always. Yeah. And never in a glass house, which is nice. You know what? There's not a lot of glass houses where they come from, in my mind. <laughs> the, only pl- the only Giants I can see having glass houses is Cloud Giants. Yeah, they will have giant freaking windows to, yeah, look at. Yeah. I can see a storm giant watching the, the waves, like... From Royal their, and yeah, this, from their little hideout under the, like, they're just peering out, watching the storm going. I'm now imagining a lighthouse <sighs> just made of glass. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, so that is a that is a stalker buffman, and again, they're a CR twelve, which makes sense because like they have a hit pool point of like sixteen d twelve plus ninety six, like two hundred average, and a forty foot speed, which is normal for our giants at this point. But they are a huge, huge fiend, which is technically a demon. So. Right. Yeah. I do love that all of them today have lost their giant classification. They're all just demons. Mm-hmm. So all of your, like, detect evil and good and all that shit will apply to these guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. All right. Let's throw some dice. Dice. <clears throat> I hold a five. Oh, we tied, Casey. All right. You go first. Not 20. What did I end up with? 14. 14. All right, well, I'm going second. Okay. All right, Casey, talk to yourself. All right. I hate going first all the time. Okay, so role-playing inspiration for these. Well, oh my gosh. They do have an intelligence of plus one and speak abyssal and giant and a wisdom of plus three, so they're smart as fuck, by the way. Smart as fuck, and maybe someone in your party can communicate, but maybe not. If it's in our, our group, party. Yes. Someone always speaks giant. <laughs> fuck every fucking It's because you have the queens of giants in your group. Like, what did you Yeah, but Dan, too. In? Dan always chooses giant That's as well. So. Well, I mean, he is a giant. He's so. also a queen of giants, yes. Or is he's just a giant queen? <laughs> Both okay, options. so, I don't know. I, I love playing this one as actually being really hard to visual, like, it won't let you see it. It's always darting around corners. It's always behind a stone wall. Like, you're not actually going to see how those, like, horns erupt from the ground. Yeah. You just, you enter the realm that it's in. If some of you notice that there's the, you know, more notable stone architecture, yeah. sure. But it's going to kind of fuck around with you from behind things and like again like we talked about the short king who is short and stocky and the fire giants again physically to like speak to these they're very tall and lanky i feel like even though they're giant and large like they're huge fiends they're gonna be light on their feet yeah because they've been running through these labyrinths and they know them yeah and they do have like the ability to do stone shape so even if suddenly like you do come around the corner and they're there it's like one look and wait, was there something there? And they stone shape and they're part of like the boulder along the wall. Yeah, or a new statue. Oh and no, it's uh, it's melded into stone. Melded into stone yeah, that does it, that it makes them become yeah. a part of a thing. Yeah, that lets them literally like okay. step backwards like the Homer Simpson into the yes, bushes. that's what into yeah. stone. Okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> so, melded into stone. Yeah, they, so, they but they also have a plus eleven to stealth. Yeah. Yeah. So you're they're going to. Be one with the walls and floor and shit, right? They have a yes. plus 15 to athletics as well. <laughs> like, holy mother of God. Yeah. These are like frogs, like like the frog of the, the giant world. They're just going to be hopping around, just run. Like, I imagine now running across the top of the labyrinth. 
Right? Oh, that's cool. And, like, just you see, you feel a breeze breeze over top. running across. Yeah. Like, that's how I I see, like, and, like, in a session, hours of fuckery for the DM to do. Kerfuckery, as we like to call it. (laughs) Yeah. That's my take. 100%. Adam. All right. For role-playing with these guys, their intelligence and wisdom are high, high, high. So, I mean, the intelligence is, is a plus one, but it's still... They are, I'm going to tie them to a labyrinth. That is their whole shtick. That is why they are communing with Baphomet. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's their very deal. specific, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to have a labyrinth that is actually not too big. It's only going to be, well, you guys have seen the giant grid paper that I use. It's like 32 by 24 yeah. uh, squares, right? Like yeah. one inch squares. So it's going to be roughly that size. Um, and it's, they're going to be 10 foot wide hallways so that this thing is squeezing through. If you run across it, it is taking up the entire width and it's like shoulders are pressed together. Right. So, because I know it's huge, but it's influence is a three by three square. It doesn't mean it's body is a three by three square. Right. right. So, so I am absolutely going to have these guys be one with the labyrinth and understand it all. And I will have planned ahead of time with, like, a shifting map. I will replace the map every couple turns. Look how it's changed. Fuck you, Adam. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you've got to find this thing. And you are playing hide-and-seek with this. Yeah. But it knows where you are. Every so often, a fucking rock comes hurtling out of the sky into the corridor you're in. Yeah. Right? Like, it is open air, but it is smooth stone up 80 feet. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, you can send your fairy or your wizard with fly or whoever, your druid that can wild shape, and they can go up and they can scout around. But that's a bad idea because it's probably standing on top of the walls. Like, it's... Get pelted by a rock. Yeah. <laughs> or it's just going to meld stone again, or, or not meld it, but a stone shape, which is, it's going to enclose, put a ceiling on this corridor now, slightly removing what the, the, yeah. the mm-hmm. person can... Like, interact with the party, and then this thing steps out from the walls, right? Yeah. Like, y- this is going to be a fucky fight. So, yeah. what is it, CR-12? Uh, these guys are CR-12, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to run, That's just, uh, I'm waiting till level 14, because this is hit-and-run tactics. Yeah. I was also thinking, like, even if the labyrinth was short and it was tall, so when it's, like, standing at full height, you can see it. Yeah. But you don't know where it is because of the way the labyrinth is laid out, but you can just see it in the distance. Yeah, and yeah. you know it's there. You can so. see the horns moving. Yeah. Right? Walking across. So, I was trying to figure out a way to, like, a quest or a plot of why you would go into a labyrinth to find... Like, not to find one of these, but why you would go into a labyrinth. Well, a labyrinth is different than a maze. A maze, you need to go in and out of different points. A yeah. labyrinth, you are trying to get to the center for a reason. Yeah. So, I don't know. Throw your MacGuffin into it. Well, my MacGuffin was going to be that you are required to get a horn of Baphomet, which is going to be one of the six horns on the head of this thing. So you do have to kill it. Or remove one of its horns and run as fast as you can and not get lost in the maze. Right? So it's going to be like that. You need to collect these five items to do this magical thing. And one of those magical components is the horn of Baphomet, which is only going to be on the tops of one of these things. Yeah, so you're going to be like, you're going to find your exploration is going to be trying to find where the like labyrinth is, and then you're going to get to the labyrinth, and it's going to be like, how do we kill this thing? Right? Because they're not going to be easy to kill, and you're not going to be able to convince it to remove one of its horns, and if you do, that would be an interesting role-playing aspect. 
I would obfuscate it just a little bit and say that you have to get the crown of yeah, Baphomet. The whole crown, yeah. Yeah, so people will think, oh, we have to go get the literal crown that sits on this demon lord's head. But no, you just have to scalp or like like chisel away the yeah. the horn, the, the all six of them that are connected. Or just like the head of the stalker. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's huge size, so you're like, it takes three of you to drag it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and this glaive, this glaive is impressive. Yeah. It looks um, really cool. And I think it would also mess around with the fear in, you know how when you like, like swinging a glaive through the air, it makes that like whoosh sound. I'm imagining those like toys mm-hmm. you had as a child with those tubes that you like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just your hand. Yeah. yeah, like you can you could tease that with your players. Like every once in a while, they hear this sound, and it's like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, I don't know what that is. And it's this, like walking along the tops and like swinging, swinging it, it back around. and forth down. Like everybody drop prone and crawl as this thing is trying to hit you with. Oh the my gosh! Yeah, it's like a swinging. One yeah. of those things. Uh, swinging blades of the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the blades that cut people's heads off, you know? The pendulums. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I would use some of that and, like, use the, like, the sounds and, like, the sound, you would not know, you would not hear the creature, you would hear the sounds from the weapon. Yeah. And it would take you a while to figure out that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, any other exploration stuff? You are not going to find a speck of dirt in this labyrinth. No. Everything here, all of the pebbles, all of this stuff, it has been melded into perfectly smooth surfaces. To the point where you cannot climb the walls. Yeah. You just can't. Like, there's no roll involved. You need grappling hook and rope to do it. And it's slippery as fuck. So, I I would not have a necessarily difficult terrain, but I would absolutely... Keep it smooth as fuck inside this labyrinth. Very well, like, almost perfectly swept. But then, when you kill it, the labyrinth starts to crumble and everything's difficult terrain. And that's when you have your earth elementals coming up and your gallop doors. All of the rock monsters start to appear because this thing has died and now they want to kill you. As the labyrinth is tumbling down around you, you got to make deck saves to avoid it. And you're moving slowly and you're dragging this crown out. Like, I think, yeah, I think that if you kill it, the labyrinth punishes you. Yeah. That was that was only the first part of this shit. <laughs> yeah. As Amazing. you know, Casey, every once in a while I will make uh, an environment that will then turn on you. Like that spire of elementalism, the tower that you went up 510 feet in and then fell to your death and got blended. How could I forget? <laughs> I was not there for that. I would like to point out I was not there for that. <laughs> it, it would have been you if you had been there. The way Fair that enough. you play your characters. Yeah. I do play them as daredevils. Yeah. I will die. My monk was the same. <laughs> Monks, am I right? <laughs> All right, well, let's roll into combat. So much fun. Adam, what would you do? It's, it's hit and run. You're going in and out of the walls. You are... Getting up on top of the labyrinth where they might not be able to hit you and jumping into the next corridor, and now they gotta find you. Mm-hmm. You are chasing and finding, and with 40 foot movement, the rogue that can dash and the monk and the barbarian with the unarmored movement and stuff, they'll come after you, yeah. but you will split the party. And honestly, yeah. you can, you can uh, stone shape and make wall of stone, split the party. That's how I'm doing this. Again, it's a CR12. Uh, 
it's a it's a Sierra fourteen fight. Yeah, like it's got a lot of kerfuckery, especially in its home turf. Yeah, you're fucked. Which yeah. is where you're gonna run into yeah. it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and you wouldn't run it into it anywhere else. Yeah, I like it. Um, Megan, do you have anything? Well, I, I I do love the fact that they have that ability with the erupting horns from the ground. Because we talk a lot in our dragons episodes about how dragons pick things up and drop them down. This yep. is definitely it. Just like, and you can use this to split the party because you can erupt it in the ground within 30 feet, launch them into the air. And then drop them in other corridors. And then drop them in other corridors. Drop yeah. all of them in different In their corridors. own little space. And then it can be like a one-on-one of like, okay, well, how do we find each other now? Yeah. And then like... On a recharge of five or six, it's almost like a lair action, right? It does feel like a lair action because I do feel like if you're going to do that, you are destroying a small part of the labyrinth. And it's either going to want to spend time repairing that space or it's going to make it happen. And then that's just like a ground zero until he's they have defeated whatever they want to defeat. And then they're going to go back and remeld it. The, the yeah. only thing about it, the thing that I think is so funny is that it recharges, or sorry, it's got um, 60 feet. It can see... Uh, like within 60 feet that it can see. So you turn the corner and you see it and then suddenly everyone gets catapulted. Yeah. And so you're trying to get to it, but every time you do, here he fucking comes. So you have to make that save, right? Oh man. And imagine the fall puts one of your players unconscious and you're all separate. And so your healer has three rounds, potentially two rounds to find you because you're making death saves. Yeah. Now you see, I've got a party of six, so I would split them into three groups for exactly that reason. Yeah. <laughs> so that you can either stabilize so yeah. you don't have the player death right away kind of thing. Although I will... But this is like pretty... Like it's later in the campaign. It's still so panic though because they're spending <laughs> rounds trying to stabilize and make sure their friend is okay. While another group is probably trying to be like, okay, well like where is everybody? Let's go and attack and fight. Mm-hmm. And like, it would just be like, you would... Each one would be focusing on something different because of that reason. Yeah. Right? True. So it would be a different yeah. dynamic, which would be fun. How would you do it? <laughs> Murder. You were going to say something like, mm. Murder. <laughs> Murder. I, no, I, no, what I was going to say is that, honestly, stabilization, as great as it is, if you don't have a med kit, if you don't have healing potion, if you're just trying to make medicine saves... We watched an NPC last session failing medicine saves on unconscious characters, and like... It was not, it was scary. Adam's looking at me, by the way. <laughs> at one point, at one point, was Dan was the only one up and he had two hit points. Yep. Yeah. Sea, and sea serpents, man. Yeah, and two of us were on two fails. Yeah. Death, death, like. Death saves, and Megan was under, the un, like, below decks. Oh, already unconscious. unconscious. Yeah, yeah, from, because I chained two encounters together, and so yeah. like, yeah, death saves it are. It was looking bad. Yep. Fun. It was good. It was good. You all it. lived. Shut up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and my character is so scarred. Like, oh, I can't even. Yeah. yeah, you are one giant scam. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to our fifth and final monster today. I want you to know that I honestly thought at a quick glance that the Stalker of Baphomet was the Frost Giant one. Oh. I had them backwards in my head because I'm like... Megan'll do frost giants too. She loves frost giants. Yeah. So sorry, Megan. You also love stone giants. It's okay. I yeah. Not to uh, the same degree. No, <laughs> no. I no. do. Uh, frost giants are my jam. Yeah. yeah. But, but the artsy, the artsy piece of the stone giants. <sighs> I do love their obsession with architecture. Yes. <laughs> All right. So this one is frost giants. Um, and if I can be honest, 
They need to fucking stop worshipping the wrong people. Because first, the everlasting one that we got before was getting all cozy with troll gods and growing another head and there's a bunch of fuckery with Vaprak. Now, the fury of Kochichi is snuggling up to a demon lord. Now, Kochichi is not one of the like main focuses and we never get a stat block or really a breakdown of them anywhere in 5th edition. They're mentioned very much in passing and we get more lore about them in this stat block than anywhere else, but they're a golden oldie from previous editions, so I know a little bit about them. He is a 24-foot demon lord with a misshapen head and an ugly face, hunched shoulders and short, stubby legs. His arms hang down below his knees. But what he lacks in charm, intelligence, grace, and looks, he makes up for with muscles and rage and misogyny and rage and a massive war hammer and, yep, more rage. This does sound like the intro to a smut novel. Yeah. <laughs> Frost giants who struggle with their place in their ordning uh, might sometimes worship this demon lord of hissy fits because... He's not only as angry and violent as they want to be, but he also lives on the 23rd level of the Abyss, which is known for being just a sight past nippy. Yeah. It's a, it's a wee bit cold. Mm. So. so the rage and the cold combine to make a demon lord who keeps trying to pose as a deity of the Frost Giants. And when they buy a shtick, they become a Fury of Kochichi. Turning into a Fury of Kochichi comes with some perks. Your arms elongate until they swing down past your knees, and they grow big muscles and even bigger spikes of ice out of your skin. Mm. However, that is never replicated in the stat block, so that's weird. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You become surrounded by a swirling vortex of bitterly cold air as well, and you get a lust known only to Megan. Bloodlust for the destruction of everyone who isn't on your team. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The catch, though, is that the fury burns so intensely in your chest that literal burning fire consumes your heart and makes your chest glow like the world's worst E.T. cosplay. Where did they get this picture of me? (laughs) (laughs) The only way to calm the burning is to dive into combat. As long as you fight, your heart won't be consumed by this fire. So I guess the fury of Kochichi is actually less like E.T. and more like Jason Statham and Crank. Fair. Yeah. When it comes to stats, the Frost Giant turned Fury of Kachichi gets more AC, hit points, all the stats, and all the saves and skills listed, including passive perception. They all go up, except the charisma save that disappears. You just don't, it's just not as good. So, um, it gains immunities to fire, lightning, and poison because of rage, as well as a condition immunities to charmed, frightened, and poisoned. And yes, it does keep the cold immunity as well. So, we gain dark vision, the ability to speak abyssal, and magical resistance. And you're starting to see why the Frost Giant goes from a CR8 to now a CR14. This is a hell of a power bump. The fun stuff you get is an aura uh, of cold damage in a radius of 10 feet, doing 2d10 damage to anyone who doesn't succeed on a DC20 con save. There's your aura. Yeah, yeah. and DC20 is, is punishing. Uh, Mm -hmm. you also get a charge mechanic that essentially lets you dash as a bonus action, as long as it's toward an enemy. And you get an extra 3d6 cold damage to your punches. What's interesting here is that you forego your great axe that you had as a frost giant. 
it had 3d12 plus 6 slashing, and now you're doing 2d8 plus 8 bludgeoning. But you're adding that 3d6 cold damage, so it works out to be 25 on average for a Frost Giant, 27 on average for a uh, Fury of Kashichi, which is kind of essentially the same thing. At this point, by the time that you are a ridiculous level, um, CR 14, like those two hit points don't matter so much. Yeah. However, you're 20% more likely to hit with the Fury's modifier. And there's a neat little bit that says if the target took damage from your aura within the last round, then you do 5d6 cold instead of the 3d6 when you punch them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah, you still throw rocks. I was going to say, yeah. by the way, they throw rocks. They, they, <laughs> they, they be tossing rocks. Yeah. So. Yeet it. Okay, cool. That's literally cool. Cool. I'm I take, get it. I'm taking the red dice. All taking right. the black all one. Right, all right. Five. So all right, you're Megan's going first, Megan. first, Adam, then me. Role playing tips for these ones. Uh, they're not necessarily dumbest sticks. They have an average of zero intelligence and then a plus one to their wisdom. So in my mind, potentially you could communicate if you had a Bissell or a Giant, but I don't think they give a shit. Like, their goal is to not die out, like, you know, because like, they, they need to kill things or else their heart gets consumed by fire. And right? d- and there's no mechanic for that. So yeah. that's up to you as a DM, right? Yeah, but I feel like that just plays into the role-playing aspect or the fact that they will not, even though they, you can communicate with it and it's smart enough to understand what you're saying, it's smart enough to have a conversation, it doesn't care. It's like, who cares? You're in yeah. my domain. I want to kill you so that I can remain alive. I'm not even going to talk to you during combat because I have to kill you. It's a survival I, it's tactic. It's a fight to the death, right? Yeah. It's my survival instinct kicking in here is what that's going to be. So if you're going to role play one of these, it, you're going to have to play into that. Like, you are building this to either kill your party, scare your party, or have them run away and be warned. Like, this isn't a quest giver or a conversationalist of any kind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. Harsh. Yeah. Yikes. Dude, I love a frost giant. <laughs> my big thing is when you go up into the ice into the arctic and the wilderness and whatnot yeah there's not big cities up there but you have a lot of bands of barbarians you've got orcs you've got trolls you've got um gnolls that are up there there are even some uh like you have white dragons but you even have kobolds that are up there that are are trying to acclimate to the cold as well Mm -hmm. so there's quite a bunch of populations there for combat i imagine that this guy for role-playing is working his way, like cutting a swath through these populations, right? Yeah. And and is able to to slaughter an entire nomadic village, right? Until that, that glowing heart dims enough that he can make the three-day run to the next village, mm-hmm. right? And so th- there's a frantic nature to, to this guy all of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I see it as you could play it... Um... It is so mentally exhausted from having to fight and kill constantly. You imagine it doesn't sleep. Yeah, like, and yeah. so I see it as like, like you might, it's it's lumbering, it's dragging its hands on the ground, and it's like breathing heavy. It's trying to control this energy in fire in its chest, mm-hmm. but it's like lumbering forward and it's non-reactive to yeah like if you try and interact with it it's not it's not reacting it's just coming and it's like it's it 
uses this last effort of adrenaline to do horrific attack, but it's like there is nothing left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. People might feel empathy for a moment yeah. until it fucks you up. I, yeah, I feel like it's lumbering. Like it's ignoring things like birds and snow hares and stuff because that's not combat, mm -hmm. right? However, yeah. the moment that someone is like, "Hey," he's just gonna turn around and it's just rage. It's it's the yeah. mob Yinogu again. It's just charge forward and fuck shit up because I have to. Yeah, this buys me a little more time. Yeah. And I would feel like it's just always on the move because if it stops, it's never going to find what it needs. So it's just like constantly moving. And it's like when it notices when something gets its attention, if it's something it can kill, it goes for it. It's like a racing game in an arcade where you're fighting the clock, right? And you've got to make it to the next checkpoint and it's counting down and you've got yeah. set number of seconds to get there. So stressful. It's, Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my, like, attitude, like, the exploration piece of this is hunting one of these is going to be very hard. Because you're going to be in the Arctic where it's cold, there's snow, like, you're, its tracks are going to be covered on a regular basis. You're going to be following its carnage, not necessarily it as, mm -hmm. a, as a being. Yeah. Right? And it's big enough that it's going to just destroy game trails. It'll follow down the game trail, but everything around it is... Yeah. Falling. And it's not going to have a layer. Yeah, no. exactly. Like, it's constantly wandering. So it's not like you're going to be able to get the up and up on it in its homestead, right? So, and if it did, the only other thought that I've had is, like, for almost, like, a quest thing slash exploration is now I kind of want to see a commune of frost giants using it in a, like, uh, not tournament battle style, but, like, like a, not, like, what, am, what is the word? Not, not a gauntlet or... A gladiatorial... Like, a gladiatorial... Yeah. It's a gladiatorial warrior, so anytime you enter it, if you can defeat one of these things or like they have lots of them for some reason, sure, right? Yeah. And they send them in like, and you're, you're, cause like frost giants tend to be, um, e Im impressed by your physical prowess, right? That's their big thing. That if yeah. you, you come across one, the only thing that impresses a frost giant is the fact that you have strength. So your strength check is going to be to fight one of these in a battle arena. And it's going to be they, they hold them and they keep them and they constantly keep them in rotation so that they have this thing to be able to test your physical prowess. Right. It's kind of the flip side of what they were doing with the Everlasting One. Yeah. Because the Everlasting One was corrupted by troll. Yeah. And they would shun them and kick them the fuck out, right? But this one is still corrupted but by potentially a frost giant deity, depending on if they've been convinced of that. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, they're smart enough to think that. Yeah. Yeah. And so they might be sending this guy out, like, send two of these in to fight the white dragon to beat it down enough that the other ten people in the hunting party can come in and Yeah, kill let's it, right? bolster our men. Yeah. And this is how we bolster them. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes to, to role-playing... Casey, you did you have any? Or it's not role playing and uh, exploration. exploration. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like the a hint would be you know like your ranger who's going to try and track it is gonna find like even if if you don't quite know what it is you're gonna see giant steps but then these like dragging marks mm -hmm. and you're not gonna be sure if it's a tail or if it's like limbs or a weapon. Yeah. You know. Or even ruts from a large sled. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's going to be all in snow. I was also going to say because it has the fire heart, like it would be sunk into the snow deeper. 
So you might be walking on top of the snow, but you'll see this divot where it's been walking. Except it's got that cold aura. So That's fair, yeah. so it's not going to do much. Never mind. Yeah. I will say this, though. When your party is stuck in the blizzard, and they've got two levels of exhaustion, and they are fucking desperate to get to the next encampment, and they see a light up ahead. Yep, that they're was gonna the next thing. They're going to go for it. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a, yeah, that would be an epic um, twist. Had this book come out when you guys were doing those those winter encampments, you'd have yeah. run How across dare you? These, so. <laughs> yeah, and even just, like, monitoring, a, like, if you're on second watch of the night and you're, like, scanning the blackness, mm-hmm. the desolate yeah. blackness, and then suddenly you see this glow and it starts getting closer and closer and closer. Or and, you, like, it doesn't react. It's just moving closer and closer and closer to or you. you could see the light in the darkness up on the far ridge and it's clearly someone in a sled with a lantern with a, on a dog sled, right? And, yeah. And we're looking for someone like that. So you tracking them down and finding these weird tracks oh, right yeah. are, when you get close enough too close because of the snow right like yeah and it could even be days later that yeah. you encounter it you know yeah. it's like a hint of what it is staying ahead of you yeah but you'd find corpses along the way too right like a couple of dead barbarians just like corpses thrown against the tree and like oh this is strange not killed what this by was. the cold yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wild what creature um, yeah yeah, combat strategy around this one. Am I for, Megan, I'm first, you're right? first? Yeah, okay. In this final segment, I believe. I, yeah. yeah, I feel like this one would 100% be, they're a melee attacker. They're going to close the gap, use their aura, and then punch you with their fists. Right? Mm-hmm. They have no interest in attacking you from a range or what have you. They're going to, even if you're t- hunting it, if it knows it's you're hunting it, it might play a game with you a little bit. Let mm-hmm. you follow it until you're kind of entrapped in an area that you can't kind of get out of. Like, let's say you're going through a forested, like, area of this, you know, snowy area. It's going to wait until you're out in the open. Or it might lure you into a canyon. Yeah. And then step out, blocking your exit, saying, you have to fight me now. Exactly, right. Like, like you're in the blender now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> if it realizes that you're following it, even if you're tracking it or not, it's going to be like, no, I'm going to lead you into a trap then. Because mm-hmm. then I can kill you faster and easier at a closer range. It puts your um, ranged characters in that kind of danger zone, right? It's going to be like, no, I, there's. it's smart enough. It's going to be like, that guy has a bow. Yeah. Which me, or that person has magic. So I can't attack. Like, they're going to attack me from a distance. I'm going to put them in a small space yeah. so they can't spread out. I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger. Yeah. Right? So. Creepy. Yeah. Honestly, when it comes to combat here... Again, I'm homebrewing a little bit. I'm going to bump the CR up to 15 because I wanted to have a grapple attack. And I mean, all things can grapple, but this grapple does slashing damage. Those spikes, the spikes spikes are going to do slashing damage. And remember, it should be in there anyway because he's going to hold you within that aura. Yeah. And at that point, you've taken damage from the aura. So whoever's been grappled last round on this round will be getting that extra damage as he holds you with one hand. And punches you repeatedly with the other. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> as DMs, we love this. <laughs> as, yeah. As players. Kerfuckery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Healers on deck, please. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and we can't forget the rock throwing. So, like, if you even try and turn and run, I feel like you're just going to get a, mm-hmm. a rock to the back Beamed of the head. The back of the, but it'd be like an icicle. 
Or like, it'll, it'll be a snowball that <laughs> yeah. it creates and just whips it at you. I feel like just because of the nature of it, the way I roleplayed is he wants to hit you with his fists. Yeah. He wants you close. That's the whole big deal. But if you're on the other ridge or there's a giant crevasse that opens up between the two of you and he can't get to you, just the rage of throwing rocks yeah. at you over and over yeah. out of frustration and anger should, in theory, be enough to keep the, his heart from from burning right yeah. so i would love to come across like or your party comes across it mid battle with some um like a group of goliaths or even a group of gnolls and it's surrounded so yeah. you may have to like interpret what's going on it's happy it has so many things to kill and you can tell it's killed some Mm-hmm. And it's just working its way through, and you're like, shit, what the fuck is that thing? Yeah. It's glowing, but then it's got this, like, ice swirl around of it. Yeah. And you can decide whether you, which side you want to take. <laughs> Ultimately, it's going to kill you if it kills all the gnolls. All right, any final thoughts on any of these creatures? My final thought is we didn't get a storm giant version. And I like that because the storm giants would not be corrupted by fiends. They are smart enough, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with storm giants, same thing with cloud giants. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Adam. The other thing that I thought was a little bit of, of crafty writing was that they didn't give the um, fire hellion a flail or anything else. They gave it specifically a morning star. And it's the only one that is corrupted by a devil, not a demon. And, of course, in Christianity, Lucifer is known as the Morning Star. So, mm-hmm. yeah. cheeky. I like it. That's Fits. the kind of stuff that comes together for me nicely. So. Yeah, we like that. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Let's have a short info break before we wrap this up. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. Okay, so for this one, what wine? What wine are we drinking here? Okay, so... Like, is there spicy wine for fires? Is all, there... <laughs> all I could think of was yes. like our apothic wine is the one that we yeah. drink on a regular basis. And apothic inferno, yes. which we could not get when we in the moment that we wanted, wanted it. it for the fire giants episode yeah. was immediately what I went to. Yeah. Um, there you go. Because that's fiendish, right? Like, yes. And we and we drink apothic on a regular basis. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the fact that they have like an, an inferno version of is freaking. What's the difference? As someone that doesn't drink wine, what's the difference? Um, it does have like a a spice kick to it, like spicy. Yeah. Like, so it's it's the, a redder, redder version of the red wine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like it is hot, like it has like a fireball-y aftertaste cool. to the wine. Well, it's now I know why you like it. Yeah. 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 All right. The only other one that I could think of was uh, there is a wine called the Seven Deadly Sins, uh, which I thought would feel good for like the demons and, and devils, the devils. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's also a red wine, mm-hmm. got a little bit of a spice to it. It's literally like uh, the logo. If I look it up, is like it's like the number seven in red, but it's got a little halo above it. Uh. It's really cute. Yeah, it's got to be red. Yeah, it's red wine. Yeah. The color of the blood of my enemies, right? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's all for this part of our discussion on fiendish giants in D anD D fifth edition. Please take a second to engage with a like, follow, comment, and review to help push our engagement. 
And don't forget to subscribe to find future inspirations for your campaigns. If you'd like to support us, we have a store with some merch and a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. seating position. Okay, okay. I can do this. Pliant giants when fiends enter. Are you practicing the... (laughs) (laughs) You're practicing the title right now? Yeah. Yeah. See, when you do um, your soundtrack when we record at your place... Yeah. ...is when I get to practice those. (laughs) That's fair. You're not wrong. Names and stuff. Yeah. I just took a swig. Do you want one? <laughs> the last time we played this game, <laughs> this is my favorite. You painted game. my neighborhood. <laughs> right. I like this game with Casey. It's my favorite Casey game to play. <laughs> I got rid of my glass. <laughs> <coughs> yep, that's what that is. Hey, I'm leading, and there's fire giant stuff involved. So fireball. Close fireball. I'm just going to leave this right here for you. Excellent. I'm so used now to tequila and Hennessy shots now. Roman is a bad influence. (laughs) Or is it the best influence? (laughs) No. Roman is a bad influence. (laughs) But we love him. (laughs) I really like Roman, but he he is a wrecking ball of a human being when there's liquor out there. Yeah. You know what? Life of the party. It's the gold retriever energy. It's like Dan on steroids. <laughs> One of my favorite moments ever I was at that party where we pointed out, so Roman and Dan are a lot alike, eh? And the look on your face. I almost killed all of you in that room. <laughs> if I could fireball, that would have been the day. <laughs> I did ask how big the room was. <laughs> Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode. (laughs) Yep. We're here. Fireball, Casey? Fireball. (laughs) This is not going to make it any better. You want to loosen up a little bit? (laughs) Pouring liquor on this is not going to make it better. Technically, this is a Giants episode, so (laughs) give her. (laughs) You know what just occurred to me? What's up? I listened to you guys do the, well, I edited the Big B's review that you did for the Legend Lore. Yep. And you were disappointed to find out that Big B was like a gnome. A little dude. Yeah, just really short. But it occurs to me that they did that probably on purpose because A, he's powerful enough to do that. But B, he is so small compared to all of the giants who all of the artwork in this that it makes the giants feel bigger. Bigger. Yeah. Right. So, so it's like, yeah, it's like trimming the hedges. Sorry, Bigs B. I mean, Big B. <laughs> Feels like a little B to me.
so ugly. <laughs>